0: Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew Brycewell, and you are listening to Little Oak Weekly. Today is an amazing episode. I get to sit down and chat with Joe Pratap. Joe is a very popular and highly influential agent in our brokerage. Works kind of anywhere between Abbotsford, Langley, and Surrey. And we get into just incredible topics today, a uh, wide range of topics that touch on the industry, um, hot topics such as direction of offers, proper exposure to listings, doing off market deals, how to network internally within, a, within our offices, and much, much more. Needless to say, I just tremendously value Joe's opinion, appreciate his influence in our company. And as you will hear shortly, He's got a lot of valuable things to say, and he's walking it out. He's a successful guy in our brokerage and in the industry and widely respected amongst his peers. So without further ado, I bring you Joe Pratap. Hello. Okay, good morning. I got you. Oh,
1: you
0: got me? I, <laughs> I, I dropped my recording device right before I phoned you the first time. And uh knocked something out. So the first time I called you, you weren't coming through, but now I got you. So we are we are live, and everything is working. All right. I need you to talk to me about what you ate for breakfast while I check your levels.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a breakfast eater. I usually have two cups of
0: coffee usually. And then when when do you eat for the first time?
1: So I usually like. Eleven, eleven thirty. I'll I'll have um like I don't know snack or something like almonds or you know whatever a muffin or something like that. I'm just not. Uh, I've never been a breakfast person.
0: Is that like an intentional intermittent fasting thing that you hear about, <laughs> or is that just you don't you don't? Or that's do you... how I maintain. That's how I maintain my peak athletic uh, <laughs> condition <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> oh that that's what I was gonna get to next. What are you doing athletically this, to to keep the shape that you are? <laughs> sure uh okay we're we're good um thanks for thanks for jumping on and doing this yeah no worries i i i gave you you know we exchanged emails and you gave me um some awesome ideas for today uh which we're going to dive into but you know one thing i that came to my mind that i want to know about because i you and i have never discussed this is just give me the the lineage of your career how long have you been licensed you know what got you into real estate what were you doing before real estate like just kind of give me a bit of background there because i i truly don't know the story to that and i would love to know i think it's going to be 10 years december i believe so i i got licensed
1: just after 2010 olympics so that would have been 2010 so what are we 2020? yeah so it would have been i think it's 10 years i think it's 10 years of december might be january i could be wrong but ultimately i've I've been selling real estate full time for seven years, but I believe seven years. So I first got my license. I didn't do anything. To be brutally honest, I wasn't even sure if I was going to sell real estate. It was kind of just something that happened. We bought my wife and I bought our first home in Cloverdale, um, and the experience from buying that home was it it went really well. Um, Um, Our our realtor at the time, John Barberson, who you probably know, Johnny B.
2: Yeah, Yeah,
1: great guy, great guy, right? Past president at the board. It, it was just a good experience. And I think when it happened, I was working a, a sales job at the time. I was just like, shit, maybe this is something that maybe I can fucking sell real estate. Mm-hmm. Right? But, mm-hmm. Like It was just a good experience. It was something that I, I looked into. And Johnny B put me in touch with the guys at um, something premier, Calvin and Larry. You probably know. Yeah. Yep. Great, great guy. Great guys right from the industry. Larry's our current president. Yep. Uh, yeah. Just that's kind of that's kind of how it happened. It, it was a good experience that led to um, the next kind of thing. And then, yeah, I think about it took it took a while to figure out that
0: hey, this is something I want to do. uh, But when I did, then uh, I'm glad that I did. So you were doing sales before that? Like, what were you? Is that what you said? You were in some kind of sales career before that?
1: Yeah, I've I've worked in I worked a million different sales jobs since I think I was 14. At the time, I was working for uh, Cyclone Taylor Hockey Store. Oh, okay. I uh, I was a team manager. We did like a lot of direct sales with like hockey associations, stuff like that. That's, that's pretty much what I did. Like, um, team sales. Uh, and then I'm, as I got older with the company, we started doing like store building design. Um, the, the current Coquitlam store they have now, uh, I built that store with our designers and yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a cool job at the time. And yeah, that's, that's, that's how kind of how it, how it got started.
0: So why didn't you do in your first three years? You indicated that you kind of didn't do much. What what was happening in your brain or in your life that it was slow? It was a slow start. I mean, the market the market was shitty. I know that the market was challenging oh, at that time.
1: Oh fuck! I remember, I remember my first listing. It was uh, it was uh, a, a two bed two bed town home uh, in Clayton at the uh, was the name of that complex the Montana the Montana. And uh, I remember when we, when we listed that house, uh, the market was just fucking awful. It was like 250 townhomes that looked identical. Everything was for sale for 250 to 299 And, you know, the one that sold was the one that was priced right. And it was, mm-hmm. it was just a really, really difficult time to, to sell a townhome. Um, I think for me, like, it, it was different because at that time when I, when I got my license, you know, I wasn't married. Um, my wife was just my girlfriend at the time. Jen, uh, we had a mortgage, you know, we had car payments. We weren't really sure, you know, if we we're going to stay in COVID, I'll go somewhere else. We were so young, right?
2: Uh-huh.
1: It took a while to, to, to make the decision that real estate was something that I wanted to do. I sold a couple homes out of the gate. I'm not going to lie. and made some money, but it took a while. It took a, it took a push, uh, from both myself and and people that I know to say, Hey man, you know, this, you're enjoying it. You're, you're selling real estate. You should do this.
0: Was it other people in real estate that pushed you like friends in the business or where did that, where did that come from? No, I don't think so.
1: I, I think like, looking back, back then I didn't have a lot of, you know, I, I wouldn't say friends in the business cause I was so new. I mean, I knew a couple of guys <laughs> and, you know, at and, 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 you know, Viet Doe, who's a real a, a colleague now, he was a good friend of mine back mm-hmm. then, but no more like family friends, you know, people saw that, you know, I could sell, a home just like I can sell anything else because I've been in sales for 15 years that, you know, just, Hey, you know, you are, you're, you can do this, you know, take the, take the plunge, go, you know, two feet in. And, uh, you know, looking back now, I wish I would have done it sooner because obviously, you know, as you know, it takes time to build up, uh, you know, your, your database and, and do deals and you, you get more deals from doing deals and you get more experience from doing deals and, you know, making mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was more, I think more push from friends and family.
0: And then you've come out to Abbotsford. I mean, you're a Langley, Cloverdale guy, born and raised, right? Yeah, that's right. And how did you? What What was the Abbotsford like? You live in East Abbey now. Was that just affordability, or what? What brought you here?
1: Yeah, partially affordability. It, it kind of happened by fluke. We were um, expecting our first child, Mason, uh, at the time, and and we were looking like, you know, we got we had a townhome. We wanted to buy that next that next step. We wanted a detached, and we wanted to get out of strata. And at the time. Pricing in in the area was just over a million bucks. It was probably a million fifty, million seventy five, somewhere around there. And we we were thinking about it. You know, maybe we get something with our you know rental suite. Can we afford it? You know, what would the mortgage look like? All that kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: Jen, my wife, Jen, her sister, at the time was living in East Abbotsford. We I think we took a drive out one day. Uh, we were visiting them, and and we went and we just looked at an open house. It was like a random thing. and it never it wasn't. It wasn't planned. We went went into this open house in East Abbey on the way. And we were like, hey, this is not a bad house. We didn't end up buying that specific house, but that's kind of how the the wheel start started in motion. Anyways, we thought, eh, you know what, maybe we could, you know, save some money, move to East Abbotsford. At the time, the difference was around ten percent. It was ten percent cheaper, any um, in, in Abbotsford.
0: And did you? I, I'm assuming you had probably very little connections in Abbotsford. How did that move dictate your real estate career and where you work? Like, I, I still I see you as a guy who kind of works quite a bit of Langley still, quite a bit of Cloverdale and Abbotsford. Is that just, you just now have broader roots or like, was it a struggle in Abbotsford to begin? How did that play out?
1: Yeah. I think that it, even today, uh, the, the bulk of bulk of my business is still uh, Cloverdale and Langley uh, because that's where I grew up. I mean, that's where, you know, the guys I went to school with are, you know, and some of those people are coming this way, but I think, uh, you know, just my sphere with my friends, my family, a lot of people are, are still in that in those areas of you know Clayton Cloverdale, uh, you know Rosewood, you know, Willoughby Heights, Brookswood, you know a- around that area. So the bulk of my business is still out uh, in that way, but it slowly started coming east um, to Abbotsford as well as Chilliwack, you know simply because of affordability. I do know a lot of families that are selling their homes, you know in Surrey and Langley. You know they're getting good prices now. That
2: yeah, you know they
1: bought they bought them for eight ninety nine. Now they're getting one point three one point four. You know, coming coming this way and realizing they can get the same, you know, size home or same, you know, size lot, whatever it is, newer home for, you know, two hundred and fifty, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars less. And really the drive between Abbotsburg and Langley, you know, as, as long as it's not a long weekend, it's you know, it's thirty five, forty minutes max. Right? I mean I, I know it, I do it five days a week, right? Seven days a week.
0: Yeah. You just gotta avoid there's certain times of days you gotta avoid. Otherwise you're gonna get you you'll get stuck you know, it's just inevitable, but, um, sure. Yeah. What do you still see the advantage, the price advantage between the, the, you know, Langley, Abbotsford and Chilliwack, like you alluded to 10% back when you moved, do you still see it? Cause I mean, I hear people saying that like the way prices have gone in, you know, the last little while that there isn't the spread that there used to be between those communities.
1: I think, um, today, uh, the spread is it, there's still a difference like they, they, you know you know a, a town home in Langley a town home in Abbotsford a town home in Chilliwack there's a difference right it's it's it, it's may it may not be 10% across the board on all product but there's there's a, a significant difference in in affordability i mean it's, it's it's one of the reasons why you know if you if you looked at let's take Chilliwack for example you look at Chilliwack sales and you pull a, pull a list of every home that sold in the last 90 days mm-hmm. and and have a look at where the buyer's agent is licensed right. right i would yeah i would bet sure you know i would bet i would bet you lunch that 90 90 percent of it is from surrey
0: yeah good point point. and the reality is is you can still find detached sales in chilliwack specifically you can find detached sales under a million dollars you're not finding that in langley but it's it's getting in abbotsford you're not you're not finding anything under a million bucks anymore like no. I, i'm actually no. what i my perception i don't sell a lot in langley but when i see some Langley sales and Abbey sales now, I feel like the gap between Abbey and Langley has shrunk quite a bit. And maybe somebody who knows more than me, maybe you would say, no, 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 there's still a big gap. But I just, I don't know, I've stopped seeing it in the last, uh, you know, six, nine months. I feel like Abbey's really caught up to Langley pricing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think the gap is more noticeable on on Strata at the moment. Um, you know, for example, you know, we literally just, I literally just sold a home four days ago, Clayton, the 3 bed. Townhome, typical townhome, you know, tandem garage, walkout yard, 1,600 square feet, very typical size townhome. Sure. For the, Fraser, for the Fraser rally. Yeah. That one, uh, my buyers got it for $835. Right. Um, and that specific townhome in Abbotsford today seven fifty. be above $750. Yeah. yeah. dollars 7, yeah, okay. So
0: there's, and there's your, there's your 10%, you know, about 10% gap that you alluded to. Yeah. Right but, to, there. but
1: to your point, you know, I, I think when we're looking at the detached market, you are you're, you're absolutely nailed it. I don't think you can get, you know, even a starter home, you know, a a three bed fixer upper is, is over a million bucks in Abbotsford now.
0: Well, yeah, I mean I think our I haven't looked at the latest stats, but I, I feel like Abbotsford's median or average price is like one point one million. I don't even think it's close yeah. to a million anymore. It's way above. I mean, just think of your typical BC box in a decent neighborhood now, it's over a million every time.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree.
0: Let's get into Let's get into some hot topics <laughs> sure. of the uh, of the market. I'm only laughing because I think you and I are completely aligned on a lot of these, but I know they're um, they're 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 hot topics um, in the industry, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions on them. So let let's do it this way. If you're let's start like this. If you're selling a home today, you're taking a listing that you know is in a you know a very desirable neighborhood, and it's likely to have multiple offers. Walk me through your feeling around. Direction of offers, uh, how yep. you're handling that with your seller, how you're handling mm-hmm. that with uh, other agents, and how you're communicating that. And then let's get into availability. Like, what's enough days, and what's enough hours, and and restricting mm-hmm. hours, and all that that kind of crap. So maybe I'll just stop there and let you and let you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know the direction of presentation of offers, you know, the, whatever you're calling yeah, offers, yeah. you know, waiting on, a, waiting a week, you know, whatever, three days. It's, it's pretty much, we're, I mean, we're seeing that on every property, right? Every property yeah. from what, from what I understand, every property in every city across the province, right? Because we're in such a, a red hot sellers market that um, nobody is, you know, almost nobody's taking offers, you know, as they come. I haven't seen it. I don't know. But, you know, for me, When we get when we're taking a listing, our we're going to expose that listing for one full week. So I typically would list a home on a Tuesday. We would typically do direction and presentation of offers the following Tuesday. Yeah. Right. So in that in that week time, you know, we're getting it up to the we're getting up to market on Tuesday. We're likely beginning showings that evening. Right. So you start
0: our. Let me sorry. Let me just. I want to get everything out of this. So if you go to market on a Tuesday, you're not deliberate about saying okay exposure begins tuesday but we're going to start showings on thursday or wednesday like you don't want to have a leg you're okay to just start showing immediately because you're waiting for offers the following week anyway
1: absolutely yeah i mean i don't know why anybody would would in a in right mind would want to stall showings especially today like if, you know we're we're 18 to 20 months into this pandemic people's fucking work schedules are all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got guys, like I got, a, I got a client that, uh, she's a Zumba instructor. She, she, she does the majority of her, her, her interaction, uh, with her clients is on zoom right now. Right. Because, mm. you know, she, she's not getting 30 people going into the studio to do Zumba. Yeah. Right. So, you know, she's, she's on zoom. So when do you think people are on zoom? Well, they're on zoom when they're not working. Yeah. Right. So, you know, t- between the hours of, three and you know eight o'clock so you know, some of these guys that are that are putting these properties up with these showing blocks or you know showings only on
0: mm-hmm. certain days so only just on no the sense. weekend or only on certain afternoons yeah only on a weekend like, are you kidding me
1: yeah I, I i love to see the conversation between some of these agents and their sellers on why it's a good idea to only show their home on a weekend makes no sense
0: well you get into i think it brings up a uh, topic of what is convenient for the seller? What is convenient for the realtor? And what's being communicated to the seller by the realtor in order to make those choices that you're talking about? And I and I think that what I my my feeling on this is that a lot of what's being done is around convenience for an agent, uh, not oh, not in the best interest of exposing the property and showing it as much as possible.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I would think. I mean, let me ask you: If you personally, Andrew, were selling your home today, knowing what you know about real estate, if I was your agent and I said, Andrew, I think you should just do your showing Saturday between two and four o'clock. Wait, hang on, let me check my schedule. Yeah, two to four o'clock. Yeah, and then let's let, let's look at offers on Monday. What do you think? You're not going to say yes. Yeah, It'd be the stupidest fucking answer. No, no one's going to do that. Makes no sense.
0: Yeah, that. I mean, it's hard to know you know, what, what's, what's the line? Like what's enough? I can tell you what I've been doing. It's a little bit different than what you've been doing. That's why I asked you that earlier question. So I'll also go to market usually on a Monday or Tuesday. And my thought is, is I want to have obviously a weekend to be able to show, but I need to have a certain amount of weekdays for the reasons we discussed, right? People's different schedules. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to allow ample opportunity for all the different types of availability. But I do, if I start marketing on like, let's say a Tuesday where it goes to MLS, I do wait to start showings. And the reason is not to restrict because at the end of the day, I will always make sure I expose for showings, usually a minimum of five days. Sure. But my feeling is that everybody sees the properties at a different period of time. So like, for example, a, one buyer might see the property the moment it hits the market. Another buyer might not see it for three days. So my thought process has been, well, if I delay the start of showings for a couple days, then I can at least ensure that one or two or three buyers didn't get a quicker jump than a buyer who's maybe from White Rock if the property's in Abbotsford. And so that's been my thought process. It may be right. It may be wrong. But I think what we're both saying is that, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're talking about a week long exposure and really nothing less uh, to make sure that we've, you know, to answer your question, have you exposed the property long enough? And I think the way to answer yes is to be around that weak period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: So then the direction of offers, are you seeing people still do directions and then change the game plan halfway through? And how, how do you, how do you feel about like, you know, there's scenarios where someone does a direction of offers and then someone sends a bully offer. And then of course, they can always, you know, a seller can change their mind anytime they want. So how sure. how are you handling that with your sellers? Because I think you've got feelings about that. And obviously nobody likes to be one of the buyers who got screwed out of an opportunity because somebody jumped the line. So what are you communicating to your people about that topic? Yeah, I mean, I think from a seller's perspective,
1: you know, our job's to, to get the most amount of money for the seller, to do what's the best for the seller, right? If, if we've sat down, we've come up with a marketing plan, you know, we spent hours, hundreds of dollars, if not thousands on marketing, and you came up with this plan to accept office on a certain date, right? We put that plan in, into action. It's pretty difficult to now change that plan mm-hmm. on the go, right? It's pretty difficult because there's so many, as you know, there's so many moving parts to selling your home, right? I yeah. mean, like not, not just showings, right? But like, you know, the internet, right? Like the internet even though it's 2021, right, it's not, it's not instant, no, right? Like it's I, not. I, don't go to my, I don't go to my phone and cancel an open house and the 10,000 people that looked at it don't get a notification, you know, saying that yeah. like, open, open house is canceled. So I, I think it, it, it's tricky. For the seller's point of view, I haven't seen a scenario ever, you know, in, in, in my 10 years, over 350 homes sold. I've never seen a scenario where it was in the seller's best interest to accept an offer earlier than the direction of presentation of offers that was already agreed upon. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe you have, I have never, you know, I can give you a personal example. A few months ago, we had a, we had a home beautiful home in East established her listed direction of presentation of offers. I believe was Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And we had a, we had a bully offer on the weekend, super late at night, 10 o'clock. I got this call. Somebody wanted to make an offer exceptional offer. Mm Offer was amazing. Cash offer, extremely, you know, a high price, higher than I, I, I would have thought. And when we went over it with the seller that night, you know, the seller said, do you think we're going to get anything higher? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, this is a pretty, pretty good offer. It's, you know, it, it's higher than the sales comparables we went over when we marketed your property.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. The seller ultimately decided not to take it, mostly because we had already told so many other people. That we we're doing the offers on a certain date and a certain time, we, it would have been physically impossible to contact literally everybody who expressed interest in this property, you know, because it was open houses, private showings, you know, realtor showings, what everything, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Within
1: 48 hours, if we would have taken that offer, it would have been impossible to contact everybody and give them the opportunity. And anyways, they decided not to take it. When we got our offers done on Tuesday night, they got twenty five thousand dollars higher. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five thousand dollars higher than that bully offer that that came in early, right? So I, I don't know. I mean, I think seller's best interest. If you're deciding to, to wait, is going to be to wait.
0: Yeah, I, I do think, I think in the vast majority of circumstances, you know, that's a that's a very accurate example of for most circumstances. I, I think that there is scenarios, and I've been involved in some where, it price isn't the primary motivating factor. Sure. Yes. I, I, I just sold a home. Where I rep the buyer, mm-hmm. uh, this is within the last month and the seller had another offer that I, this is not, this was not made up. I verified it. There was another mm-hmm. offer that they had in hand for $200,000 more from another, a buyer. And of course we're mm-hmm. talking about a property that was, you know, uh, it was over 2 million. Sure. They worked with my buyers because they had met my buyers and the property had been in the family for a long, long time. And they wanted. To know who the property was going to and what the intention with it was There's a story yeah there's a story so that was now that other buyer i mean I, what i've been told i don't know them but i've been told that they're just pissed right off right because sure. they wrote sure. the highest offer and so I, I i do think that there's exceptions to the rule but i agree with you yeah the the vast majority of the time it's not advantageous to change the plan. And I would say, I I would say for a couple of my own thoughts or reasons are, um, number one, when you advertise that offers is, let's say it's on a Wednesday and you start doing it the previous Wednesday, you can't assume that everybody interested has actually reached out to you. Like, let's say it's Sunday night that you get the bully offer Mm -hmm. because you've told people they have till Wednesday, there's people out there that are probably planning still on coming, but they haven't reached out because in their mind, they don't have to reach out they still yeah, or have more the, or time or they're not able,
1: to. Yeah, or they're they're not not able to. to they're they're away they're away for the weekend they're in parksville vacation and you know they know that it's wednesday and they have a couple of days a- exactly
0: right? yeah so you can't even assume that even if you say to yourself well i'm going to communicate to everybody who's reached out and give them this opportunity you, you you can't tell yourself that that's that is everybody that's not everybody because there's you can't right. account for how many people are out there who are just following what you've said which was they have till yep. wednesday the other the other the other piece is that you know, you have to ask yourself when you get a bully offer, I mean, what's the intention of the bully offer? Well, obviously these buyers are looking out for themselves, right? And, and to their credit, they're probably pissed off and frustrated. Maybe they've lost out in a bunch of other offers and they're just trying to do what's best for them. But if they give you a number on the Sunday and, and they try to pressure you in, what's the likelihood that come Wednesday, they're out of the mix and they're not still there. And I would, I would, I would argue that in this environment where there isn't another better option, it's not, a, it's not like you're going to lose them if you don't do that deal on Sunday. And again, maybe 1% of the time you will, because that's the way they're negotiating, but the vast majority of the time they're still going to be there. So the way I've handled that on the listing agent side recently is when I, I've had it a couple times with bully offers and I've said to the buyer agent, I've said, listen, I'm going to present your bully offer. I'm going to show it to the sellers because I I'm obligated to. And if at the very least, what this is going to do is it's going to communicate how motivated you guys are, which is a good thing to the sellers, because the sellers at the end of the day are going to have to make a choice. And I will make sure that come Wednesday, when we look at all the interested offers, you guys are once again brought to the top because you were the first in and you showed us how much you want this property. So I still, you know, I try to communicate to them that, Hey, you you know, we appreciate what you've done and this still may benefit you even though we're not doing this deal today. And in one circumstance, it actually was, uh, the, the, the people who wrote the bully offer ended up getting the property, not because they wrote the best offer, but because the sellers appreciated their enthusiasm and wanted to give them an opportunity. And so the sellers gave those people a counter offer on the, on the presentation day, they accepted it and they ended up buying the home. So I think sure. that, that that's how I've handled it recently. And I think, you know, that's a win-win for everybody. And, um, To me, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think on the flip side is, you know, we're talking from a seller's perspective, but, you know, you also got to think from a buyer's perspective, right? Because, because, you know, in today's market, it is, uh, it's the wild, wild west, right? Like, you know, everything is, you know, not everything, but most, most good product is selling above asking, you know, in some cases, way, but way above asking, you know, with, with next to no conditions or no conditions, Mm -hmm. right? Many offers have a deposit attached to it. You know, it's another another conversation to be had, but yeah, there's so much, there's so much, you know, I guess you would call it maybe buyer fatigue in in the, in the, the, you know, in the, in the industry today, like, you know, people are getting beat, you know, it's tough to, tough to overcome when you're looking for a home and and you've been beat, right. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's tough to get back in the car and, you know, go and look at another home. And and to do that, you know, two, three times, which is not uncommon, you know, not today anyway, right you know when, when you see somebody that's okay they're doing offers on Wednesday and you know maybe you guys are setting up the appointments for Sunday whatever all of a sudden to get a message that the property's sold mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like it, you know the not only is is public perception already fairly low in the industry i think you could you could argue
2: mm-hmm. but like when
1: that happens it, it's you know that's the low blow right yeah. it's, the, it's it's the, you've lost all the ah you know what i mean like the guys are you're you're kidding me like this how does this fucking happen you know what i mean so you know that's a whole nother from the other side of it on the buyer's perspective if you're representing a buyer you know buyers interested in that home and it's no longer available because you know you change the marketing plan up all of a sudden i i personally don't think it's good for anybody i'm sure i'm sure you would agree
0: yeah i i do i have a I have a thought about the public perception. So no, no question as agents, you know, we do things to ourselves where we shoot each other in the foot. We shoot ourselves in the foot 100%. You know, and and like some of the stuff you've talked about, I totally agree with. But something that's in my mind as we go through this season of unaffordability and low inventory and agents and sellers coming under fire for circumstances like this. I mean, I think back to a completely different time, 2008, 2009, 2010, like, you know, right now we've got 3,000 properties for sale in the Fraser Valley and we're selling about 2,500 of them a month. Well, in Mm -hmm. 2010, we had like 12,000 homes on the market and we were only selling about 800 a month. And nobody was crying foul when a seller was sitting on the market for 12 months and buyers were bringing offers that were 150, 200,000 below their asking price. Mm -hmm. So- I just, part of me goes like, as agents, are we, do we bear some responsibility because we are in the industry? Yes. But part of me also goes, you know what? This is a supply and demand conversation and we got a supply issue and that's not Mm -hmm. something that we have control over. That is Mm -hmm. far bigger than us as agents. And Mm -hmm. when you're in a supply issue as a seller, all of us would want to maximize the value of our property, obviously, or any of our assets, just like in 2009, when one of the 800 transactions at the most that would happen in the Fraser Valley real estate board in a month, each of those buyers at times was to use a strong terminology, they were, they were trying to like, well, I won't use that word, but they were significantly, they were significantly taking, they were lowballing They were significantly beating the shit out of sellers at every opportunity. Like, I remember scenarios where sellers were in tears because of the offer that that was brought and they had to sign it. So nobody was writing articles about that. Nobody was talking about the big, bad buyers who were taking advantage of all the supply on the market. So I do feel like this conversation needs a bit of a balancing out and a reminder of what life was like 10 years ago, because this too will change. It, It always does. You know, whenever you're in a moment like this, everyone just, you know, thinks that it's always going to be that way, but talk to anybody who's been in the industry for 50 years and they'll tell you what it's like. And I've been through, you know, enough in 18 years to know that it'll change. And when it does, I, you know, I want everyone to just remain balanced as I think we should be a little more balanced in this moment right now.
1: So, yeah, I I mean, you nailed it when we start talking about inventory, right? I mean, inventory is the, the ultimate, you know, it's the number one, if not the driving factor behind what we're currently dealing with right now.
0: Totally. And, and the inventory is controlled by, I mean, I don't even want to say federal, but it's, it's good levels of government, right? Federal, provincial, especially sure. municipal, and it's yeah. impacted by regulating bodies such as, you know, environmental groups, indigenous groups, you know, whatever the, the list goes on. There's red tape everywhere. And, and each yeah, one of, each one of these things is important, but allocating money for spending on, you know, affordable housing units is not going to do anything if we still have a tiny little siphoning hole at every, at every developmental level within cities where mm-hmm. only a certain amount of properties can get through because the time to develop is just getting longer and longer and longer. Like There's thousands and thousands of properties that are waiting at independent municipal halls for approval And they're just sitting there. And COVID has has even made it worse because people are sitting at home in their pajamas half the time working, you know, like the offices have been shut down, Uh, effectiveness has dropped or, or, or rate of work has dropped. And so it's not real estate agents that created this. This is government that needs to make significant changes to the development process if they really want to get more inventory on the market. There's my yep, sorry. There. I, didn't, I didn't mean to rant. I ranted there, but I just I, <laughs> I I I really grow tired of the narrative that agents have created the housing, that you know the lack of housing. That that's not a true statement at all.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So let's contradict ourselves for a moment. So we so we've just <laughs> that's what I love more. We've just <laughs> we've just talked about the need for exposure. Sure. Yet you and I. I mean, I know you've done a lot of this, but you and I. I think you said you and I have done three off-market deals in the last year is that right i think i can remember two sounds right. you're, you're saying it's three so it sounds right and you you indicated that you've maybe done 10 or 12 i think
1: I'm at a dozen this this season yes
0: this year so we've just we've just ranted about exposure 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 and now we can contradict ourselves by saying well no actually there's room to do off-market deals so sure Let's dig into that, and then the need for networking with agents. So let's just let's actually maybe dive into this last deal that you and I just did. Can we talk about that? Sure, let's do it. So, so I have a seller who um, owns a number of rental properties. You had mm-hmm. a buyer who was describe to me the buyer. What type of buyer was it? First time
1: investor, already a homeowner, uh, experienced in the market, uh, but not so much in investing. Looking for. Um, uh, first rental property that hopefully cash flow.
0: And were you out with this buyer like unsuccessfully hunting in the environment, missing out in multiple offers or what was the story of the buyer?
1: No, 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 not really. No. So, uh, so the client, I sold him, you know, his first home uh, nine years ago, 10 years ago, somebody that's in my network. I, I sold, you know, then listed their first home. They helped them buy their next home. Uh, he's somebody that I've been in contact with, remained in contact with, I guess quite a long time and, and he he's always had interest in owning a real estate portfolio you know it, to, to be brutally honest he's probably the same character as your client except he's 25 he's at the right? beginning
0: yeah yeah my yeah. client was probably mid-50s so he's at the beginning yeah. of his journey my guys you know not winding down but he's at a very different sure. place yeah he was him he was him when he first started yeah exactly yeah
1: yeah so no uh, so we you know we were looking at property on and off for six months, he, you know, he got all his ducks in a row. He got his financing ready to go. Um, I don't know how it was structured, but you know, down payment, all that kind of stuff ready to go. He knows exactly what he wants. And as you know, when you're, you know, when you're helping an investor, uh, somebody that wants to be an investor, you know, it's less emotion.
2: Yeah. Right? It's, it's mechanical. More, it's,
1: it's yeah. Mechanical. It's more about yeah. the a number. They know, not what can I rent this out for? What is it going to cost me? Right. So we're trying to put, put those two things together so that, that hopefully at the end of the month uh, or end of the year, there's a, there's a plus there's a float right theres there's a cash flow up some some shape way shape or form right mm-hmm. so you know he's, we were looking at property i think three months let's say three months seriously, you know probably twelve thirteen properties i I, I knew exactly what he wanted so when that when the opportunity became available, you know when when you you, you let me know about this property that was coming to market, I already knew it would work
2: mm-hmm. right
1: i already I already knew what you know a two bed um you know minimum eight hundred square foot condo in the city of Abbotsford was, was getting for market rent. Mm -hmm. Right. I I already knew that when you mentioned approximate, you know, value that it Mm -hmm. would, it would, it checks all the boxes. It was going to work. Right. So I I think like, you know, we're talking about, okay, an off market deal, how do we do an off market deal? Does it make sense? You know, it's exactly what you alluded to when you were, you were telling the story of, you know, that $2 million plus home Mm -hmm. and the seller chose the lesser expense, you know, the lesser offer, from the buyer because of a story right like everybody has a story right in this specific scenario you know your guy the investor happens to own multiple properties mm-hmm. i'm gonna guess he, i'm gonna guess he bought that
0: probably more than five years ago was that right he bought it actually longer uh two uh, it's like 2007 or eight or nine yeah, seven, there, seven. yeah and we're in and we're an Abbotsford so what he paid
1: what 150 grand? 100.
0: Paid. I'll tell you per square foot. He paid uh, just under 200 a foot, and we've sold it for about 450 a foot. There you go. So, so it's more than you know, in,
1: in, in this buy bo- in this seller's uh, specific scenario, he's he's cashing out. Like he's making a sizable profit mm-hmm. off of what he what he's done for the last 14 years. Right. His story is he's going to do something else. I don't know what it is because obviously. You know we don't share that information. you know we're we're representing our own parties. I don't know what your guy's doing, right um but he's 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 doing something, whether it's paying off debt or buying another home or buying a car or buying a a bigger home. I don't know what it is, but he's got a plan in place. so he has a story. so the story is where we can put that transaction together. yeah not every deal is going to go to market
2: mm-hmm. because
1: not every deal it doesn't make sense
2: mm-hmm. right
1: it, it, if you've got a, a, a seller who needs a certain price to do a certain thing, and I have a buyer who's willing to pay a certain price to do a certain thing, that's when the off-market deal is going to come together. And I happen to be somebody who puts a lot of those deals together, especially on the buy side, simply because I can I know what the numbers are. If, if you go to market and that property was going to sell for X, and we're willing to pay that, and there's a story to be had, uh, you know, there's a deal to be, to be put together.
0: Yeah. And totally. And I I think the story analogy makes a lot of sense. You know, the the story for, in this particular circumstance was that, you know, does money matter? Of course, nobody wants to leave a significant amount of money on the table, but people in that position also like ease of transaction, knowing something's done, if they're getting the dates they want. Absolutely. You know, this same client has recently sold another property also off market, Mm -hmm. And, uh, actually technically it wasn't off market, but the client chose to leave, like willingly left money on the table. There was an open conversation about it Mm -hmm. because they were sympathetic to who the buyer was. Mm -hmm. The, the job the buyer had meant something to the seller. Mm -hmm. And it also meant something to the seller that the buyer was an end user. So the seller had owned this property as a investor. For a number of years but Mm -hmm. the world has changed in the last 12 or 13 years the cost of real estate has skyrocketed and so it meant something to this seller who's obviously got a significant net worth to go you know what i will leave money on the table for an end user because i am going to sleep better tonight knowing that i helped an end user get into their first home so there too is a story story. there's a story Mm -hmm. where there's an opportunity so You know, back to our nuanced conversation about exposure and getting the most, it's not always about the most money. And that, to your point, is where there's an opportunity to do off-market deals. And I think in this environment, where there's only 3,000 homes to choose from in the entire Fraser Valley, you've managed to carve out, you know, 10 deals for yourself that are are off-market. The question is, is how did you do that? And I think, you know, where it leads to is the conversation around networking.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What are you doing to to find those deals? Like, what are you practically doing in your relationships with agents to find those opportunities?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's twelve. I think I'm at twelve off market That's for incredible. this season. For this season, I, I I refer to it as a season. <laughs> season. You know, you say you say year. I'm a hockey guy. It's, yeah, we'll get into hockey in a second. <laughs> a season. It's the it's the twenty it's the twenty twenty one season for me. You know, I think that I think it's it's, it's schedule time discipline all those kind of things you know i'm an office guy right mm-hmm. our office is on the back side of your office next we're, door we're, right? we're actually
0: about 15 feet apart right now so hopefully <laughs> I we're. Know, right? i know i can
1: hear you we're probably <laughs> I can knock on the i can knock on the fucking door here i mean you know, i'm sure that you're probably you know when you're having a serious conversation wondering why i'm, I'm playing the, my music so loud or something or, you, you actually know, <laughs> yesterday you had the
0: bass pumping yesterday you put some music on i was I was podcasting with Mark Sager yesterday and it was all of a sudden like, mm, mm, mm. I'm like, what the hell is going on on the other side of the wall? That's
1: awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, deal with that. No, but you know, I'm an, I'm an office guy. The point I was, where I was going with that is, um, you know, I'm here, right? Like I'm here, you know, five days a week, you know, six days a week. I'm here. So I, I start my day usually, you know, the school day we're dropping the kids. Uh, usually Jen takes one, I'll take the other. The, my daughter's not in grade school yet. Right. So. You know, I start today, I'm dropping the kids. And then I'm usually at the office, nine, you know, quarter to nine, somewhere around there, getting a coffee, coming to the office. And then I start my day. So when I start my day, you know, there's guys that are in the hallway, right? There's guys at the water cooler, you know, the coffee machine, the printer, you know, there's, we got, you know, guys that are busy realtors, you know, David Corey, mm-hmm. guy that does, you know, he does, what is David doing? 55, 65 transactions yeah. a year, seven, you know, somewhere around there. For sure. You know, yeah. Bob, Bob, Dave, Scott Savage. Yep. Gill like, all these guys are, you know, within a thirty, thirty foot hallway, guys that are like me that spend a lot of time at the office. So, you know, when you know David's doing a, uh you know scanning documents or something, I'm always like, Hey, what do you what are you up to? Right. And you know, if it's oh I'm you know, just uploading a new listing. Well tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm that's the first thing, right? Tell me about it. And I, I'm I'm starting the wheels are moving, right? Yeah. I'm starting to think like, do I have a buyer for you know what David's about to list? Yeah, right. If so, when can I get in? You know, you're going to market Wednesday. Can I show it Tuesday night? Can I mm-hmm. show it Wednesday morning or something? so? So, I, I think that you know, one of the things that are, you know, in, in tw- we're 2021. You know, I know things are going more cloud based and mm-hmm. you know, off off of uh, retail streets and you know, everything is everything's so tech. But you know, in our industry, you know, as as you know, 12 deals this season uh, off market. You know, things are happening, right? If it wouldn't happen, I guarantee you it wouldn't happen if, if I didn't spend the time that I spend working out of an offer, mm. right? If I, if, I, if I chose to, you know, stay home, have a home office or, you know, put an, put an office desk in my basement or, you know, whatever, right? I know for a fact those connections don't happen, mm. right? And, and, and I know for a fact that those connections don't happen. That means that the transaction is not going to happen, which means that either my buyer or my seller may not win.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: right or, or they're going to win less mm-hmm. right they're going you know, it, to it starts with with the conversation the networking to the other agents and that's just one level you know we could talk about you know friends in the industry and you know facebook groups and whatsapp groups and you know that i'm all over all of those mm-hmm. things you know, too as well but that you know that's for me that's where it starts uh, you know getting to the office networking with the agents not just the agents the agents that are doing the business mm-hmm. right and trying to get the competitive leg up
0: so did that come naturally for you or did you have to work at that?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good question.
0: Uh, you know, I think it, it, it definitely is something that I, I didn't graduate,
1: uh, you know, from solder, or UBC, you know, with a real estate license. And all of a sudden agents started calling me. Like, that, you know, it, it took a, a quite a while, you know, getting experience, doing deals, doing transactions, networking with other realtors to get to today. You know, today, you know, I, I, I don't. Who am I going to oh, I'm gonna pick? I'm gonna pick on somebody. Gary Voigt. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call, you know, Gary Voigt and, and and find out how his hockey game went yesterday, hmm. right? But but Gary is is a guy who does a lot of deals, right? Mm-hmm. He does fifty, seventy, you know, transactions a year. You know, he is someone. When I have a buyer looking for something in Langley, you call Overdale. Yeah, I'll call him. All yeah. right. And, you know, Rob, Robbie Johal. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, 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 you know list goes on. The, the, the Rassic, you know, whoever, Christian Massaro, whoever is in in the area that I know is doing the business, I'm going to call them, right? I have buyer X looking for this. What do you have? Do you know anyone that has something if you don't? Mm-hmm. Right. I think the networking part is something that's super important, especially today, you know, and it, it's, you know, you've been a real for how, how many years? 18, 18? 18.
0: 18. 18. Yeah, so, you know,
1: so you've been to, I'm sure you've gone to conferences, BAMP. Oh, right? yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. I've been to my share. I've been to my share. Yep. You've been here, sure. Yeah, you know, I, I know. Uh, who do we got? The lobster daddy guy. In, yeah, in, I've, in Halifax, I've, sent, right? like, I've
0: sent referrals to him. Him and I, yeah, have, my, uh, great guy. Yeah, <laughs> Thomas. T- Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. Butch- I'm gonna butcher his last name. What was it? Ba- ba- Bagaloo. Yeah, bug. Yeah, I don't know. I not even know. I don't even know how to <laughs> say it. I know there's like two O's and two L's or something. I right. Don't know. So
1: like you know, it's always existed. It just happens that you know, 15 years ago. You know, the way to, to go about networking with other agents, referral partners, or whatever, you know, have to happen to be going to a conference. You know, today we've got, you know, WhatsApp or Instagram or, yeah. you know, You know. how many times have you put something up on Instagram and got a message from a realtor? You know, it happens every yeah, day, Totally. right? Every day, every day. When's it coming to market? How, what's the square footage?
0: Yeah. Right. Do you have a hard time? So, you know, when you went to a conference or you go to the office or, you know, like the, the way things used to be, you could physically step into the moment but then step back out of the moment because it was a physical it was tied to a physical location now with instagram and facebook and whatever do you have a hard time turning it off i i i think people do i know i i know it's changed my life drastically from many years ago where you'd, you'd walk away from it once you were through the door of your house so how do you manage turning it off for a period of time
1: so I- let me like back up. We're talking about uh, we're talking about family, family, family life. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Or it's not. It's family. It's however you want to phrase it. I just what I'm getting at is that you know because the connection points have left the physical space. It used to be only be the physical space, right? Like to do your work, right. you had to go to the office. Now the right. connection points. You're always. I can always reach you if I want to reach you. You know what I mean? Like if sure. I want to bug yes. you at 30 p.m. on a Friday, I can poke yes. you seventeen different ways. And If you've got that phone on you and it buzzes, Mm -hmm. I've now distracted you in that moment. So how do you control that in your life? Whether it's related to your kids or your wife or just you getting some fucking downtime and not being on, what are you you doing? How do you control that? Or maybe you're not. Maybe that's just a hard thing.
1: Yeah, well, it's definitely a hard thing. That's for sure. I think, yes, my wife she might give you a different answer. Yeah,
0: totally. My kids, but
1: yeah, I I mean, I am somebody that uh, probably has their phone in their hand or their pocket probably too much. Right. I am the same way with clients, you know, clients quite often text me, you know, nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, I I do get the odd response like, Oh, you didn't need to respond
2: that quick or, you know,
1: something, something like that. But I think, you know, for me, it's like for my age and the era that I grew up in and, you know, the tech I, that I'm going to blame it on that. I'm hardwired, you know, I think to, Respond. I feel obligated to respond to a certain, you know, certain thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's times where I'm leaving my phone downstairs or turning it off or, you know, we're on the ice with the kids or I'm at the hockey hockey rink, I'm not responding, right? You know, there's, I, I know my boundaries to a certain degree, I probably should work on them better like everybody else, I'm sure, right? But I think, like today, you know, like you said, you leave, you leave the office, your work was done back back in the day. Yeah, it's pretty di- it's pretty difficult, but, you know. Today, in any industry, not just real estate, but you know, when you're working with people, right? Like, how many times, you know, if your kid, how old are your kids under? Fourteen, twelve, and ten.
0: Okay, so your fourteen-year-old, I'm gonna guess, has a cell phone. Yes. Uh, actually, just got hurt. So she had a phone but never yeah. had a number so we she just okay, had like why okay. so but yeah, literally literally in the last week she got a phone number now okay
1: so may, may, maybe you may or may not may or may not agree but i, I would have, i would imagine that you know your kid texts you or may, maybe not just your kid anybody under let's say anybody under the age of 30 maybe 35 yeah texts you if you don't respond within two minutes what happens next
0: uh they're texting you, you again. Get, you're texting you with a question <laughs> my, mark. Right? My daughter, oh, a, oh my like daughter. Que- you get a question. Mark yesterday, a, oh. <laughs> yesterday, she's at she's in school. Like she's supposed to be right? learning in class. Sure. I get a text from her, you know, it's something along the lines of like, I'm not feeling well, you need to pick me up. I'm in a media yeah. and yeah. I ignore it. And another <laughs> one comes in and another one comes in. Yes. By the time I looked right. at my phone, there was like six texts all within like three minutes. And uh yeah, I, I totally get it. That's where I was going with it. I mean, the follow-up is, you know, it's not, not just family.
1: I was just using that as an example. But like you know, customer experience in general, the you know, tech in general, the world in general, whatever. Everybody wants an answer instant. Right. Yeah. They want they don't want that, you know, they text your you know, real estate agent at nine o'clock at night, they don't want to response at nine a.m. the next day. For most for the most part, right? You know, you got a friend, you're getting ready, you go to a hockey game on the weekend or something like that Thursday. You text them Thursday night, you don't want to hear back from them Friday morning right? Because we're hardwired. We, we want the answer now. We want everything instant today, right?
0: Yeah. I I think, so there will be people listening to this who are of a different mindset than that. And I, and I, and I would say that, uh, I I can say that I'm a person where even with like the the vast majority of my clients, I do turn off. Um, if I get a text beyond a certain time of night, and of course I don't have a hard time and it changes depending Mm -hmm. on who the person is, but I sure. will reply the next morning. And and the subliminal message that I'm sending intentionally by doing that is that I'm trying to tell people I do turn off and I'm not always sure. on. And of course, does that mean I'm going to maybe lose some business throughout the year as yeah. a result of that? Of course, sure. but I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. I'm you know, at a place in my life where I go, you know what, I need to be able to shut off at a certain time and, and, and not have my brain on for my own well being. Mm-hmm. but I can, I can appreciate, you know, if you're a 29 year old real estate agent and you're doing business with mostly your peers and you're building your career and you're, you're on the way up. Yeah. It, like it's just, I, I agree with you. It's just not practical anymore, unfortunately, to think that you can work nine to five or whatever, like you you're always on with that phone. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's, and it's something I've got, I'm, I'm working on, I'm working on it. I, I know that, uh, you know, it can't always be on, on, on. I know it. I, I, you know, I need to do a better job with it. Thank you for the reminder. I need to do a better job. With it.
0: <laughs> hey, I want to switch gears to something that again, you and I have never talked about. I, I didn't know a lot of these things about you, but you're a person who's owns a few different businesses. Mm-hmm. I don't know what lacrosse expert is other than the fact that I looked it up online uh and it clearly has something to do with lacrosse. I know you're passionate about mm-hmm. it seems like all Canadian sports. Mm-hmm. And then you've also started Van City Virtual which mm-hmm. I you know was uh was funny is I saw Van City Virtual start whenever it started about a year and a half ago or two or whatever it was. Yep. Yep. I didn't even know it's you in Pratique, correct? Prachik and I own the company, yeah. Yeah, so do you know, like, I saw the marketing, and I saw the... And I just thought, like, I didn't know you guys owned it. I just saw it for, like, the first probably six months with no mm-hmm. idea that it was you. I just thought it was another, you know, virtual tour-type company or something like that. Uh, and then it was sometime after that I found out. So I, I'm curious to hear, like, what where that idea came from and what you guys are doing and how that's going. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that, you know, when we're talking about city Virtual... So it you know it's a company in itself. Like it you know when now that I think we're at seven staff members now. I think yeah. somebody picks up the phone. You know one of the reasons you don't know is you know if somebody picks up the phone. You're not doing it. It's yeah. not me.
0: Totally. It's totally. Not me. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah. like you know yes yes Pratik and I are the owners, but it, we're in this you know we're we're involved in the company the same way that uh, you know the Tim Hortons franchise or owner is probably not slinging donuts. Well, in the if, back.
0: hey, if if you get in shit tomorrow. <laughs> David Rochelle's dealing with you, not me. So I I I I, I get it. I under I understand. Or Natalie. Natalie I, I might be take, the one I, handling it actually, but I but. can take
1: the I, I can take the big guy, don't worry about it.
0: But yeah, no, so so
1: it's you know, one of the things you know, it's not something that you know, I d I don't go around and, you know, brag to people that I own this company, you should call me or you should use me because we're the best or you know, whatever. It's not something that I've I've done right? Like well, I, clearly
0: know, not, because I didn't even know you owned it. So yeah, you're not being accused <laughs> of go. that. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I mean, they kept, so
1: I'll tell you a bit of the story about you know, what it is and how it kind of started. How about that? Yeah, sure. Go. Okay. So, so it kind of started, you know, by accident. So when when COVID, you know, really hit us, right? What, March of... Yeah, March and uh, April. You know, yeah, March, 20, March, 2020. Right? March, yeah. March 15 right, so, or 16. Yeah. yeah you know, so from... From, you know, my personal standpoint, you know, what was happening in my life at that time? Okay. You know, confusion, right? What yeah. the hell is happening? Yeah. You know, why, you know, I can't come and all of a sudden, you know, he said, David Rochelle, all of a sudden David's telling us not to come to the office, <laughs> <right>? Like, Like <laughs> the doors are closed because he doesn't know what the hell's happening because yeah. that used to be, he does, doesn't know, you know, where it's still early stages, right? Nobody knows what the hell is happening. You know, yeah. well, the zombies, horrible were coming. Virus. That's, that's what yeah. was happening. There's this horrible shit virus. Yeah. That has made its way to North America and worldwide. And, and it's, you know, frankly scared the shit out of everybody right at that time. Totally. So it was, yeah. So we, you know, we went from, I think I had two listings uh, that exact week. Two listings. One thankfully sold right away um, because it was, it was we we're almost done. We we're almost done. The other one, if you know, somebody was saying, oh, you know, do I postpone it? Do I, do I stall? And I didn't have an answer for it because it's not something I've ever, you know, thankfully had to deal with. The you know, pandemic isn't yeah. something I've ever had to deal with. And, you know, I think it ended. It did end up selling or something like that. But the the showings, you know, went from basically super busy to nothing. Yeah, right. Because because not because it was a you know people were dying and and getting sick and it, it was more this you know this people were scared. They, they didn't know the answer. Like oh, back totally. Then, like, people didn't. They we're being told by government this is what we you know need to do, so we're doing it because you know it's it's so fresh, it's so new. So showings basically went like to nothing
2: Mm -hmm. right
1: and so what would happen what was happening at that time is you know i was getting calls and texts from you know colleagues right and people were asking me hey you know i've got this listing uh coming up or something like that my photo company isn't even isn't even doing calls like they're not they're not coming right and I, i don't know if you know this or not but so uh with matterport i've been shooting my own matterport uh virtual tours forever like since the technology pretty much
0: existed. Like you, you were doing your own, you weren't hiring someone I was doing to
1: do it. Matter when it comes to Matterport, I was doing my own. Got right. It. So Matterport, if you don't know what Matterport is, where someone's listening that doesn't know what Matterport is, Matterport is basically the technology that allows you to walk through a listing or a property from your cell phone. Right from your iPad, from your from your laptop,
0: it it's the thing that shows the three D floor plan, right? Is that accurate or not? Yeah, the dollhouse you're talking about. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. The dollhouse is what is
1: what people liken the brand to. Yeah, it's the Nike yeah. check of, of Nike. So Matterport is a, it's software that basically it enables you, the viewer, to walk through a property um, without physically having to be there. You could be on the other other side of the world, walk through a property, measure a countertop, walk outside. And that's something that I've I've done for my own personal business for about oh, probably six years, seven maybe seven. It, it, I, I purchased the technology a long time ago, and it, it because it was something I was interested in. Sure. I was a part of a I don't know a video group of realtors or something in Canada, and yeah, you know, we networked. We this is what we did. So I, I would get calls from people, you know, in loops, you know, from an agent Loops that said, hey, you know, my guy's interested in this home. Is there something that you, know, you can help me with can you do this virtual tour for me or something like that so anyway so that's kind of how it started is like i was getting these messages you know sitting at home kind of worried about everything people were, were saying i think that might have been david corey might have been the first one I, I can't remember now but he was like hey you know is there any way you could go and do this oh right? wow and,
0: so he knew you had the gear and he just was looking for someone to do it yeah yeah a couple a couple people did because they've seen
1: me on instagram or facebook or whatever sure but, so that's kind of how it started. And, and it, it's not free. Like, you know, for me to do it, if there's a cost, like there's, you know, the technology, there's a, you know, a charge to upload and, you know, whatever. So I started off with like, I think one of the agents was like, Hey, you know, we do this for me a hundred bucks, whatever. It was, it, it was like two, three that week, I think. Hmm. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay, cool. Beer money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then it was, and then it was, I think the week or two after that this happened where like all these agents were asking me to you know help them out because the photographer companies weren't working. And Pratik was somebody that I, you know, network with regularly through REMAX, uh, was like doing the exact same thing, except he was doing it with photo video. Oh, because
2: interesting. I, don't
1: know if you, I don't know if you know about Pratik, but he's a guy. He's a traveler, right? Like oh, he yeah. And, totally. Yeah, he, to he loves a, photography. Yeah, he, yeah, he's the outdoor guy. He, he, you know, he had at that time, like, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I want, I want to say 30 grand in in equipment like lenses and <laughs> you know, the, you know the, the, the most ridiculous stuff that people wouldn't understand what they do and flashes and you know all their stuff so yeah at the at the time Pratik and I were talking about okay well you know this is happening and I think it was Prateek and he was like well why don't we just why don't we just do this and I, and the, I remember the conversation and I was like I don't have time to do this
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: like I you, you know I'm at the rink three days a week yeah. I'm selling you know 40 50 hours a year I don't have time to do this right and then the conversation slowly became you know over a two-week period, yes, we understand that neither of us could really do this. Mm-hmm. but w- we were able to put the infrastructure together and have the, the you know the right people, and it kind of just started. We, we opened a business, and it kind of happened by accident mostly to do because of the pandemic, and that's, that's kind of where it is. So when we flash forward today, uh, we've got seven staff, um, you know full-time customer service lady. website we're we're currently doing real estate related media small business media for probably 60 maybe maybe 50 50 60 regular clients yeah so we do obviously we do the you know the real estate photos the listing videos matterport and we've recently started doing floor plans um, and some some content marketing for specific agents and as well as doing some small business stuff we've had uh you know a lot of small businesses daycares uh, companies reach out to us for virtual tours and that kind of stuff. So mm. it's, it, it's its own entity. Uh, it's been, it's been pretty cool to be a part of something that started and grew so quickly. And, uh, I don't know, something that, something that I, I have a passion for uh, being an entrepreneur and, and the business is, uh, is something that it, it excites me.
0: I like it. That's amazing. So how many, like in, in the month of September, how many, mm-hmm. how many virtual tour packages did you guys do?
1: That's a good question. You put me on the spot. Um, yeah, we're we're probably we're probably somewhere between thirty forty. Okay. Yeah. So you know, like like you know, when the listings are are coming hot and heavy, then it's obviously a lot busier. Mm-hmm. And uh, when inventory is really really low, it's going to be a little bit less busy. But we're busy enough uh, to em- employ the people that we have. We've got some great people. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things is in that industry because it's real estate related. You know, real estate media. Being a realtor for as long as we we've been and you know combined we've sold over 700 homes between Pratik and I, mm-hmm. you know, we know, we know, we know the, the, the flaws. We know the, sure. the areas of that business that suck. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, one of the things we did early on is we literally sat down for breakfast and with a, with a notepad and, you know, we had a Hillroy and a pen and we literally wrote out everything that we hate about the industry mm. of, of the other side of the industry, the media. Right, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, how many t- how are you, you as agent? How many times uh, has a photographer ever been late? Millions, right? right? Yeah, how, totally. how many times? How many times does a guy show up in a beanie with jeans halfway down the fucking ass? <laughs> right, like, like is this guy? the, is this the photographer that's that's coming. You know what I mean? Like, is this guy coming to shoot my million-dollar listing, or is this the guy that just got off the bus and you don't even know if he's the fucking guy? Right, 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 like, right, right. So you know, one. I remember one of the things I said to critique, and he laughed at me. Is I said, Pratik, our guys, when they show up, they got to wear a staff uniform. Hmm. And he laughed. He laughed at me. And I said, dude, let me tell you this. When you go into Home Depot, what do you look for? Totally. What do you look for? Look for this, the orange outfit. Totally. Right? right? Or you go to Foot Locker. What are you looking for? You're looking for the black and the yeah, white totally. referee shirt. I said to him, I said, how good would it be if the photographer, videographer, floor plan guy shows up knocks on the door, and is easily identified by the seller, the tenant, the realtor, whoever the heck it is that's opening the door, right? And it. he's like, yep, yeah. he's like, you're right. So, you know, that, that's just one small thing. The guys, when you call us to show up to do your photos, they'll show up in a staff uniform. You won't have to ask them who they are.
0: That's awesome. I, I think that is extremely, extremely powerful. And your your examples make perfect sense. Yeah, you don't have to you don't have to look too far for the, the power of brand awareness. That's cool. For sure. I want to get onto uh, one more thing before I let you go, just circle back to um, the, the topic of, of networking that we hit on and, and the, you know, the value of being in the office. I have this idea rolling around in my head um, that, you know, not everybody's going to sit in an office nine to five like you do. And and I agree with you that yeah. there is, immense value in coming to the office and the world is changing. You know, it used to be that every agent had their own 10 by 10 office. And as more time goes by, that's going to be less and less and less. There's going to be, you know, like in our Surrey office, you know, we've got space for people to come in, sit down and work. And ideally, Mm -hmm. I think every office would be like that moving forward. But with, so with that in mind, way back, I mean, when you started, you may remember this, it was common for offices to keep upcoming listing lists, right? Like just listed stuff and people would check, physically check the boards in the office. Do you see value in an internal office list? So imagine we had something within Little Oak where it's the listings or the properties you could sell under the right circumstances. So we've all got a handful of clients where, where it's not, yeah, it's like, it's that listing that you could sell, but maybe in order to sell it, that buyer needs to find something specific could we, could we keep an internal database digitally that you think in some way would be beneficial? Like whether it's through a a portal or internal Facebook or something, I mean, I have a feeling it could literally be hundreds of properties and we'd have to be careful about, no one's going to go put up people's names and addresses, Mm -hmm. but if it was generic, Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, whatever, West Cloverdale, uh, 3,500 square foot, uh, home, you know, with, you know, X amount of bedrooms, bathrooms, you know, this, this kind of location, is that, yeah. Do you think that could have a similar effect? Because I'm searching for ways for people to be able to make those connection points to do deals that they otherwise can't find on the open market.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is with, okay, with the, with the off-part, Yes, yeah, to, to answer your question, would it be beneficial for all parties? Absolutely. You know, will, will my buyer benefit from that? Absolutely. Will my seller benefit from that? Absolutely. Will I personally benefit? Absolutely. I think that you know, it's difficult to put that framework to do something like that requires so much trust with mm. the others that you work, that you work with. Right. Yes. Because I know, but you know, let's, let's just, I am going to pick on my, our, our, hallway here for an example. Yeah. You know, I, I know, you know David is standing across the hallway in his office right now. Yeah. I know that if I write something on my dry erase board in my office, that David's not going to poke his head in and
0: steal that client, right? or <laughs> as, or as, or as, is he that conniving and sneaking that he's convinced us of that and he's actually <laughs> an asshole? It's possible, <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but
1: you know, I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, totally. Also, there's a, there's also the opposite, mm-hmm. right? Maybe not in our walls. I like to I like to think that it doesn't exist in our brokerage, but it exists in general, where somebody may not be as trustworthy mm-hmm. as as what we're trying to accomplish. You know, if you have yeah. a database and you know, you got a, you know, a unit number or an address, yeah. you know, am I worried that someone's going to go knock on the door of one of my past clients and sell their home without me? Not really. You know, yeah. not really is it. So I, I've got a good, I, I feel like I've got a good enough rapport, or at least I, I hope I do have a good enough rapport with, uh, you know, 370 or 350 families I've sold over the years that, when they get a knock on the door from someone they don't know saying I, I got a buyer to buy your house yeah. that they're probably going to at least call me and say, you know, so-and-so said that they're going to pay this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, I think a lot of people in our industry, they don't feel the same way. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's trust or maybe they haven't had that as many positive experiences with other realtors. Cause there's a, a million great realtors out there. You know, uh, you, you're, you're blessed enough that, You probably see them every day. I'm sure that people come to you and say, "I'm thinking about coming to Little Oak. What can you tell me about the business?" And they maybe come and maybe they don't come, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Everybody's different, right? But you probably see
0: a lot of really good people. Mm -hmm. Totally, and and there's a practical. There's also uh, like you know, there's 4,000 realtors in the Fraser Valley Board specifically, Mm -hmm. and it's totally possible that two agents within our office could. That there's this. there's someone out there that legitimately views them both as their agent yeah. right they've worked yeah. with them and so yeah. neither one this isn't a problem either neither one of them is shifty like it's just that's the reality sometimes the public switches between agents so that there is a potential conflict there and yeah so people can't be putting up people's names and addresses on this list because you sure. just can't do it until it's signed but i'm i'm just thinking like you know, it would, it would at least potentially create conversation and yes, trust is a big thing. And so, yeah, I I haven't totally worked this out in my brain, but I'm trying to create a framework. I'd like to create a framework where people could have connection points and find some of these deals that you otherwise don't find, right? Like that's really what we're talking about. You have found 10 deals or 12 deals that most people don't find. And if we can find, you know, our agents find, whatever one extra deal two extra deals a year in this environment that's significant so uh, you know it's not a perfect system in my head but that's why i'm kicking it out there for conversation
1: yeah the off-market mls system you know the you know whatever you want to call it dark mls system you know whatever yeah, yeah whatever yeah. it is you yeah, know I, i've joked around with a couple guys from the, uh, jody squires other guys from the yeah. industry forever that you know we should get rid of the mls and we should just use facebook yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because, because what do we need we we need to be able to send messages we need to be able to send PDFs. we need to be able to schedule appointments right like yeah there, there's there's definitely tech out there that would uh, be in place to embrace something like what you're describing
0: yeah to be continued i've taken a lot continued. of your a lot of your time and i sincerely appreciate it uh your opinion and perspective is valued and i um yeah i'm thankful that you're with Little Oak and uh, I'm appreciative of your time. So thank you very much.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: We will chat again soon. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. Bye for now. Take care, Joe.